welcome to Don't Filter Feelings. If you've listened to this podcast before, then welcome back. And if this is the first time you've had us in your ears, then hello. I'm Lauren Layfield, and on this podcast, we have conversations about the issues that matter with people who have stories to share. And this episode is all about surrogacy. And I'm with Kieran Richardson, Carl Highland, and Sarah Jones. In that moment, you're watching that family, and that's what you do it for. Carl and Sarah, welcome to Don't Filter Feelings. And Kieran, welcome back to Don't Filter Feelings. And we're currently sat in the Lomax's living room set at Hollyoaks. Um, Kieran, we had you on just recently talking about something completely different. And when we spoke to you then, you'd had a, you'd had a rubbish few days. I've had a good few days have this you? time. Have yeah. you? Tell us, what have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? I've had some time with my little kids who are obsessed with aeroplanes. So I've been going to little viewing places. Apparently you go to the airport and next to the runway you can watch the planes take off and there's bouncy oh. castles and you can have food. So we've done that. We had oh a God, nice time they're like aviation that. nerds. Yeah. That's really cute. I'm an aviation nerd though as well. <laughs> I can actually tell the are sound you? when a plane flies past if it's a Boeing or an Airbus. Can't I, Carl? It is actually true. You can do that. It's it's one of Kieran's finer talents. You, you chose to be with somebody who knows that kind of <laughs> we, stuff. We, we met on the runway. <laughs> <laughs> so, hang on, what's the difference between the sounds? I can just, I can't describe it. Come on, do impressions. It. Do imp- just, what's I the Airbus? Do the Airbus. It's more like... Do the Airbus. The Airbus sounds more motory. Like, it's like oh, like a wind-up turbine thing. I know planes aren't wound up by a turbine thing. <laughs> Let's hope not. It's, just, it's a completely different sound. On We've got a different tell. nose on the front as well, haven't they? Bowens have got more of a triangle nose <laughs> than, yeah. Well, this isn't a podcast about aeroplanes. It's about something more I serious. I wish it was. Uh, Carl, we always ask people how they're feeling um, before the podcast starts. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm, I'm a podcast virgin. So, yeah, this is my first time. But, yeah, I'm feeling good. Exciting stuff. Right, we are here to talk about surrogacy because you've been through that process. Mm-hmm. Can you take us back all the way to the beginning about when you first decided that was something you wanted to do? Well, it was after we got married, really, wasn't it? Back in 2015. I mean, it's something we've always wanted to do ever since being together, but with neither of us having a womb, it's obviously quite difficult. But that is an issue, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we were trying for years and just one day it clicked <laughs> as to why it's not happening. And then we thought, how, how can we get this working? So <laughs> I know what we need, a uterus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so quite a show busy story to it was... We, as soon as we got married, went on our honeymoon. The day we come back from the honeymoon, we had to go to the BAFTAs because Hollyoaks was nominated, which was so exciting. Wow. But then wow, when you wow, go, wow, yeah, you guys. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> then when you go down the red carpet, all the interviews were like, congratulations, you've got married. Are you going to have babies? So my answer, because we'd spoke about this, was, yeah, obviously we'd love to. So I think my best friend said she would offer to be a surrogate for us. So that story went out in the newspapers no the next way. day. And then this guy contacted me who owns a surrogacy centre called the British Surrogacy Centre he told us about it and, and explained what we would have to do if that's the process we wanted to go down and then we did and then he sorted it all out and it's a very difficult journey and it took a long time but now we've got twins from it Oh that is so cute, Sarah quickly just first how are you feeling today, it's something we always ask our, our guests who come on the podcast I'm feeling great today, thank you very much Good. Yes. So can you explain for us, um, first of all you're, you're with Surrogacy UK Yes. and what does what does that do? So it's a, an organisation, it's a not for profit organisation and we basically um, make an environment where intended parents and surrogates can meet build a friendship up build a relationship and then go on to um, have a baby together. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing Like yeah. that there is actually something out there for people yeah. who, who want that. And what is the process then? What would these guys have had to have gone through in order to end up with their two little twins? Um, a lot of paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of paperwork, a lot of blood tests. Um, and uh, 
basically even the match bit at the beginning like if, yeah. if we had to like our surrogate that we chose and her husband it was like a fab it was just not just us but her husband was involved because it's quite a big thing for that family to go yeah. through and if they didn't like us then it wouldn't go through we'd have to find somebody else so there's there's lots of meets um like sarah just said where we had to just get to know each other and see if we wanted to go through this process together. So you found your match and now you have to... Go to the clinic and start the process. Start the process, yes. How, how, how does that all work? So before that, there's lots of tests and blood tests and matches for this and matches for that. And we did all that process. Then we were all good to go. And then it's time to do the more scientific thing, which um, there's this thing called ICSI, where they basically get the semen and they inject it into the egg. So it's definitely gone in there. And then you have to wait a couple of days and see if the embryo is going to... It's a blastocyst, I've got that right. Yeah, so basically once once fertilisation happens, it then obviously goes through a five-day process. So from the egg just being... Or the, the, the initial... You can implant cell. on day one, day two, not day three... Oh or day God. five, have I got that right? Day five. Day five. Day five. We did five, it on day five and they can see how out of the blastocysts, which ones are going to be viable. And then for the first time, we picked two just to have a stronger chance. So then we, we picked two embryos and we implanted them into our surrogate. So then you have the dreaded two-week wait yep. where these embryos are inside. And naively, I was straight away being like, oh my God, we're going to be a dad. We're dads. That's it. It's easy mm. as that. Yeah. It's not as easy as that because then after the two weeks, um, we got the sad news that neither embryo had actually worked. So we didn't have a viable pregnancy. So and then and you... that's a quite common thing as I understand it. Yeah. And it, up to that point, um, it, it was very expensive. So, and you get nothing at the end of it, mm. just heartbreak. So there was a so lot of So that money that you pay sadness. originally, that's for that kind of one shot at that point, give that yeah. out, and then after that, it doesn't take. And then that's it. Then you're back just to back one. to square one. Wow. So we were devastated and quite emotional for quite a bit and thinking, do we go through this again? Do we put ourselves through it? We still got other embryos that were frozen. So then we decided to start the process up again. And then round two, all systems go, we're going to be dads, we're going to be dads. Uh-huh. And then we get the two week wait out the way and then it's a negative result again. Oh my God. So then we're just like, it's never going to happen for us. We've got um, a same sex couple that are friends, um, Chantelle and Lisa, and they'd gone through the same process and they just put one embryo in and it worked first time and the embryo split and they got twins oh on the my first God. ever go. So we were like, what's wrong with us? Why is it not working for us? And then the third time, it was like, let's just give it one last portion. And was it was it legit like, this is the last chance we're going to do it now? Well, it, yeah, we were going to have a break from it and we were going to potentially look at other options because we've always said that we would look at adoption mm-hmm. and things like that as well. Um, so that was going to be the next step, but obviously it didn't need to be because then we found out we got a viable pregnancy and we found out that we were having one of each. But in yeah. the most amazing way, because we did the two-week wait again. Well, it wasn't really two weeks this time, so we put the two embryos in again. And then... I just say your hand gesture there was really quite something. <laughs> if you get to watch that on YouTube, it's worth a little look. So we put two more embryos <laughs> back into our lovely surrogate. And then we were supposed to wait the two weeks. And she she rang us saying, I know it's not been two weeks, but I just have a feeling, I don't know if it's a woman's intuition or whatever. She was like, I'm going to FaceTime you. I've bought loads of pregnancy tests. And they tell you not to really oh do that God, at home. Oh my God, no. So she FaceTimed us with the pregnancy test and we sat there waiting and waiting. And it had been like five days or something. Yeah, about five, even a couple days. of days. And then the thing said pregnant. Oh my God. And I remember, I was sat in the kitchen in my dressing gown, do you remember? Yeah. That feeling of being like, Oh my God, yeah. oh my God that's amazing. Like, the most amazing, amazing feeling, apart from obviously the day that they were born, to, to just 
go through this process for all this time and it actually worked. And tell us about the moment then you get the phone call then for, for labor. So um, we had a few times where it was going to happen, then it wasn't happening. So the week before they were born, so I think we were at 36 weeks pregnant at this point um i was sat down about to watch eurovision which i watch every single year because i'm obsessed with it <laughs> dead excited next minute we get the call the babies are coming no like, what not now <laughs> graham norton's on the deli yeah. uh, but she was actually at a wedding um so then we had to frantically drive to this wedding in the middle of nowhere it was like two, and, two, hour, two um, and a half hours oh yeah and literally throw her in the back of the car and then try and find a hospital not, just by the way, not, <laughs> we didn't throw her anywhere <laughs> so, nicely laid her in. <laughs> she's like puffing and panting in the back of the car and we're like I love that chickens, you ended like, up being hospital? you ended up being taxi despite the fact you were so far away <laughs> oh my god yeah and then so we, then we went to this hospital and um they they put the monitors on and the doctors were like, it's not going to happen tonight and you can't stay in here because there's not enough beds. So we're going to we're gonna put our surrogate in a bed and we had to go and find a hotel. So then we're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? Is it going to happen tonight? Keep the phone allowed. Don't sleep through it. <laughs> yeah. um, then the next day we went in and then um, one of the doctors was like, "That baby's, uh, these babies are coming today. So I was like, oh, it's today, it's today. Then it didn't happen. Then we got sent home. So it was a massive oh false alarm, but a big test of like what was to come. And then... The and, we- and then did you done the whole kind of like packing the bag and everything? Oh, the emergency bag yeah, and yeah, everything? Absolutely, yeah. And then the week after, um, we'd been for another scan because it was multiple pregnancies. We had to have scans every two weeks anyway. So then the week after we were due for our next scan and she started when we were literally doing the scan on the belly, she started to get the pains that something was happening. So we were from the scan room downstairs, sent up to the labour ward, being like, this is it, this is it. Then we were sent to a hotel again. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we went to bed that night and that was the last night's sleep we've had in two and a half years. Oh, what a night's sleep it must have been. So then the next day, um, yeah, we went into the hospital and... It was actually the time Hollyoaks is on at 6.30 in the evening. Oh, what a plug that was. <laughs> that our children well. were born. <laughs> um, yeah, then it, it, it Sorry, happened. kids, Dad's busy watching himself on telly. <laughs> it happened and Chase was born first and it was just the re- most ridiculous feeling in the world. You can't describe it. This oh, emotion. It's magical, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did you get to be, did you get to be there? We, the were, at the, we were at the top end. The head Her ends. husband was there as well, who was amazing, like helping her through it. Um but she was like a warrior and we just stood there in awe being like blah, blah, blah. and then there's that moment where you have to cut the umbilical cord and it's just magical oh, and we yeah. got to what do does that. that feel like it's, is it weird it's like like jelly rubber oh. oh no is that what you meant or the actual feeling no 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 I didn't mean the emotional feeling oh, right, okay. I pure <laughs> meant the disgusting slicing through human flesh feeling it's like, a, like a rubber band I suppose just a thick oh. one but so it's, was... at the time you're not really thinking of that you're just like <laughs> you're more just taken in by everything else that's going on so let's talk to you now because you can tell us the kind of flip side mm-hmm. of the stories that the guys have have been through so can you tell us a bit about your background because you're you're both parents and as a surrogate as well. Yeah, so I've got three kids of my own, um, 24, 12 and 10. Well, you don't look old enough to have a 24-year-old. Yes, I, I am, so. I am. <laughs> um, and I've had four surrogate babies who are now 15, 14, 6 and 2. Amazing. Um, so two, two years ago only, Yeah, the last time. Yeah, Erica was born a couple of years ago and I've literally just had a text message this morning because she starts nursery tomorrow from oh, her dad. Oh, cute. So, Good uh, luck, Erica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she starts nursery tomorrow. So, um, so her dad's just wanted to, you know... 
say thank you again (laughs) and so take us back to the beginning then what made you first want to be a surrogate um i just thought it was such a waste um for me not to help somebody like at the time i was in my 20s um and i was young (laughs) and uh i just thought it's a year out of my life and i can drastically change somebody else's and then i met my first couple and within five minutes myself and the intended mother we we both say now we felt like sisters immediately there was that immediate connection yeah absolutely and you know we say to surrogates all the time go on your gut instinct go on your gut instinct you'll know the right ips are out there for you you'll know and you do know um and i've known every single time with each of my ips that they were perfect for me um the uh my same-sex IPs. IP I'm meaning? Intended parent. Intended parent. Intended parent. Thank you. Um, and my IPs have been uh, some of my best friends. Really? Um, so yeah. you, you've kept in contact with all of them then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, all the children know where they've come from. Uh, the parents have been really open and honest about surrogacy. And because of that, they're really proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my 15-year-old uh, surrogate baby, when she was a lot younger, she took me into the school playground to show and tell. Oh. I've, I've got mm-hmm. a surrogate and you haven't. <laughs> and she was so proud. And about, I think, when she was about seven, I had to stop her intended mother from telling like the lady behind the uh, cash desk at Tesco that I'd carried it it's like it's we're done now you don't need to keep telling everybody <laughs> yeah so all the intended parents that I've worked with have been so proud of actually choosing surrogacy um you know they've, they've had to choose it for various different reasons um uh, but they've always been really proud of it you know like they the children have been made not like with the love of two people but the love of two different families you know so they're extra special and that's how they've been brought up so for them you know I'm just this fun woman that comes and gives them chocolate when they're not allowed now (laughs) that's my job um and they uh, I don't feel a maternal bond to them I love them they're great kids but I just consider myself to be a really bad influence on them um and that is the fun part of being a surrogate it's just it is mind-blowing though for people who haven't done it that you you've said like oh it's only a year of my life but it is it's a year of your life and it's giving over your body Mm. and your if you were working it could be like time out of your job and time away from your immediate kind of things that you need to do Mm. completely selflessly for somebody else like how 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 do you how do you do that i don't i don't think it is selflessly we get a lot out of it you know we get a lot out of it we get added family you know so we've got family that we choose for ourselves um which is amazing we get all these extra uncles and aunts for our own children um you know because they keep in contact my 24 year old sent me a text message and went i'm in barcelona with my last ips you know and that was completely without me knowing about it you know so she's got this relationship with them um my children love them all um and for me it's being able to see not just the parents with them but the grandparents and the aunties and the uncles and the cousins and knowing that you've done something like that makes you really proud Mm. and that doesn't go away just after the birth you know that happens every birthday every time you get a text message every time you know I met up with the 14 year old the other week and we went out for dinner and you know and she's just chatting about her life and that pride just comes back um so 
I wouldn't say it's completely selfless. Mm-hmm. We do get a lot out of it. And what about the very first, <clears throat> excuse me, the very first time you mm-hmm. went through that process? Because that is, a, obviously you've done it many times mm-hmm. now, so you know what to expect. But the very first time must have been somewhat terrifying. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't. I was excited more mm-hmm. than terrified because my bond has always been with the intended parents, always. They're, they're the people that I bond with. Um, and the pregnancy is very different because you're not planning a nursery, you're not buying clothes, you're not picking a name, you're not thinking about that child when they're, you know, 11 or, you know, that doesn't enter your head. Mm. You are just pregnant. Because it's strange, my friends have had babies very recently and they're very much, the moment they found out pregnant, everything was about yeah. decorating and getting the room ready and getting this ready and what we need the pram and, and all that mm. kind of stuff. But it must be so bizarre that you don't really have to think about any of that yeah so all the surrogates i've spoke to have said exactly the same thing it's such a different pregnancy because from the get-go if you get pregnant you're like oh i need to pick a name we need to do the nurse we need to do that but there's none of that it is just a pregnancy and you forget that you're pregnant um and for me i went into labor and my intended parents came over and they were staying quite close so that they didn't miss the birth and my intended father was like i've got to do something i've got to do something let me do something so he went and did my garden while i was in the early (laughs) you saw that shed out yeah away from yeah, definitely. He was good. Um, and then, you know, the contractions came really quickly um, and they were every two minutes. And then we got there and it was just really beautiful because I'd got uh, my IF on one hand and my IM on the other and they were holding my hands. And uh, Georgina was born and she was placed on my stomach. Um, and then I just looked over to my IM and went, she's here, she's here, your baby's here. Um, and, and that's what it was. It was sort of like an out-of-body experience. It was like watching my best friend have a baby. Really? It was so surreal. It was not like, after the pain had gone, you know, it was, huh, you know, at that moment, you're just really pleased that there's no more pain. Um, so... Uh, Luckily enough, my intended mother, she could um, breastfeed. She induced lactation. Mm. So even when you've not carried a baby, you can take certain drugs um, and you can induce lactation. So she went over to breastfeed Georgina. um, And uh, the intended father was still clung onto this hand and I was like go and see your baby for god's sake um and so he sort of walked around and every surrogate that I've ever known will say that this is the moment you do it for you are sat there in bed you've probably got midwives working downstairs on you still (laughs) and you look over and you just watch them and you watch them as a family and And it must be so overwhelming for them well they just they're not intended parents anymore they're just parents you know so they're in their own little bubble and you can just you just sit there and it's like it's kind of like being in love you know little hearts coming out of your eyes but you're just watching them and that's what you do it for yeah that no no amount of pain it doesn't matter um in that moment you're watching that family and how uh just how lovely it is for them to have skin-to-skin contact and, you know, watching them struggle to put a baby grow on and all this sort of stuff. And that's what you do it for. Is there a financial gain as well for surrogates to do it? Uh, no, we get expenses. Um, okay. And it's really difficult. So how does that work? Like, um, Well, at, at Surrogacy UK, we ask surrogates to think about everything that they might need through the pregnancy. Um, and what happens is that those expenses are paid through the pregnancy. That's it. Um, so it'll be things like vitamins, clothes, bras, shoes for expanding feet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it might be things like um, things for your own children to do. Um, you know, when you're dying of morning sickness on the sofa and you just want to be able to send your kids off to the cinema. You know, it's little things like that. It's things that the intended parents would pay for themselves if they were going through a pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's all it is. It's just expenses. There's an one just tried to take the mick a bit though and gone, oh, I think there is a maximum a of... Could um, I do with a Porsche water. here? The kids would <laughs> yeah. love a Porsche. <laughs> there is a maximum where you can get to where you're like, okay, it's a bit ridiculous now. Uh, yeah, th- yeah. It's, it's got to be reasonable. Um, and what's reasonable for one person is different from what's reasonable to another. So my expenses have changed considerably from when I had one child to when I had three mm-hmm. because I had completely different outgoings um you know different childcare requirements and things so my expenses have ranged quite dramatically over the last 18 years um <laughs> you know so but if it's what that surrogate needs um and she wouldn't have had that expense had she not been pregnant then that's a reasonable expense it's just it's just sort of dealt with at the beginning it's a necessary evil that has to be done yeah and surrogates don't want to take advantage how did how did you guys feel about about that it it, like we say it's it's, it's a peculiar arrangement we went into it knowing like it is going to cost something to do this like you can't expect somebody to just like even taking the time off work towards the end of it like they're going to be out of work yeah. can't just live for free that's the so, thing if you were in a relationship and that was happening anyway one of you would be taking the time out of work you would be incurring costs where you're not earning money so like you have to as a couple that's going into this be aware that you will the surrogacy centre that we use was exactly the same yeah. the discussion was at the beginning and we worked out what things might cost to for again family days out or mm-hmm. food and stuff like that and we were saying earlier you've got kids how do they feel about the fact that their mum is kind of like a mum extra to us, some other children as well. Um, well, my older daughter, um, she's just seen it as a positive. She now speaks um, at conferences about what it feels like to be the daughter of a surrogate, a child of a surrogate, um, and and how much it's added value to her life. Mm. You know, so she's got these extra uncles and aunts um, and um, you know little kids running around that she didn't have before, and she can just see the positives in it. You know, and with my littler children, that's all they've ever known. You know, they've got older surrogate um, uh, uh, babies, Um, so that's all they've ever known. And they just, oh, we're we're doing another surrogacy. Okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, when either they just they don't even blink. Oh, the the fact that you're kind of doing this whole quite intense process Mm. all over again. When when um, when I was pregnant with um, Elliot, who's now six. Uh, my son was at nursery and the nursery workers came over and whispered and said we know you're pregnant are we allowed to say anything and I said Alfie whose is this baby Michael and Nick's baby (laughs) and that's how it is they're just not bothered kids just genuinely aren't bothered by these things that we worry about yeah yeah they just take it for granted you know that's just it's it's just totally different age now for kids growing up It, it has been something that's been peculiar to us because we're a bit older and we kind of go oh it's it's science and it's all a bit kind of oh you're making babies and all this kind of stuff but to kids like I said they're just growing up with it yeah um how important is it that we have surrogacy as a thing why is it so necessary um I think it's I always consider surrogacy as the next step in assisted reproduction it's your next step after IVF you know um you've got all the bits there they're just not all in the same person so if we didn't have surrogacy you're denying all of these people who would be absolutely amazing parents the opportunity to actually do it Mm -hmm. um so for me it's just 
the way that it's grown it is amazing to me um the fact that there are so many more surrogates coming forward um, and it's seen in a positive light and like stories like yours are really helpful in getting surrogates to come forward because we still get questions like is it legal you know yeah. and so things like this really really help mm -hmm. to bring in surrogates and when I first started there was like four of us now I'm a group of 150 really was it you that know? little yeah wow so um so surrogacy is important um Otherwise, you're discriminating against uh, parents that can't have children. Um, finally, what um, would you say to anybody who is thinking, I would love to do that? Um, uh, if you are a potential surrogate, talk to surrogates. You know, they're out there, but just do it safely. Mm -hmm. You know, um, talk to other surrogates, get their opinion, um, take your time. You know, surrogacy is always going to be there. You know, I'm 42 and I'm starting on my fifth journey. You know, so surrogacy is always going to be there. Take your time, talk to your family about it, talk to your kids, get them involved, get your partner involved. Um, and if anyone does do it, mm -hmm. what will they gain from it? They'll just gain, um, it changes your life. It's, it makes you think about things so differently. It makes you don't take your own kids for granted for a start off. All the intended parents want is what you've got. They just want to be able to have a child that they can love and they can raise and to hear them being called mum or dad, you know? Um, nice. Yeah. You think it's impossible? sometimes and I think when we first started going through the process we just thought that from point A to B was so far can we actually get through it and now we've got through it and you actually realise that there are avenues to go down there are organisations that you can go and speak to so yeah just sort of do a bit of research on it but yeah definitely don't don't give up either and life will never be the same and you'll <laughs> never sleep again no <laughs> Well, Kieran, Carl and Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and not filtering your feelings. Uh, if you want more Don't Filter Feelings, you can search the hashtag or check out Hollyoaks on your social feeds. And if you've been affected by anything you've heard on this podcast or seen on Hollyoaks, then there's help and support over at channel4.com slash support. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Please, please, please leave us a rating and review the episode wherever it is you listen. 